Thank you for tuning in to the Walk in Truth Radio Network. Stay tuned for an encouraging word from Pastor, Teacher Dr. James Sutton. Let's see what Pastor Sutton has to say to us today. Hello, this is Pastor Jay, and this is Friday's Focus. This is part two of a series I'm doing on church hurt. Today, I want to talk about being devoured and consumed in church. And you really can find that passage in uh, Galatians chapter five. And it talks about that. And it talks about walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh. And a lot of times what has happened with people, just normal people, is that they go to church because they believe that it's a sanctuary. Yep, they go to church because they believe it's a sanctuary. They believe it's a safe place, a safe space, a place where they can get away from the world and what the world is doing to them, only to go from the frying pan into the fryer. And they're being devoured. They're being consumed. And it starts with the leadership. A lot of times you'll hear me talk about leadership because the Bible talks about leadership. It's important. The parable of the vineyard in chapter 20 of Luke talks about the leadership not being good stewards over the gift God gave them to be stewards over, which was the nation of Israel. The priestly system, the religious system that he put in place began to devour the people and take advantage of the people. The widow's mite story is not about Christian giving. The widow's mite story, if you read it for what it is and not spiritualize it, is about a system that would take all that the widow had to live upon. Well, that's in violation of the law, the Mosaic law. They were supposed to take care of widows and orphans. You read James 1, 26 and 1, 27. He's telling what the church is supposed to do because the nation of Israel, the system, the priestly system, the sacrificial system, the system that became apostate began to take advantage of those who they were supposed to protect. That widow thought that giving her all that she had to live on and then walk away. She didn't go into the temple. She left and just waited. And if you know anything about first century, if she didn't have a, a son or, or a male working for her, you have to remember she was not considered um, to be human. She was just a woman. She couldn't vote. She did what the system asked of what she believed the system called upon and didn't receive anything. People are being devoured inside of the sanctuary, which is not a sanctuary. It is the place of dens of the den of thieves now again let's go back it starts with leadership I believe that some of these men and women who are in leadership position have gotten a taste of the fruit of power of control and what ends up happening is when you have that ego when you have people telling you how great you are how awesome you are if you're not well grounded, you would begin to believe. Or like the Bible said, think of yourself more than you should. And you'll get push that envelope. You'll go further and further and further. 
and the these somewhat innocent for the lack of a better word people just begin to feed into that ego and you push and push and push but instead of feeding the sheep you're fleecing the sheep instead of shaping the sheep you're shearing the sheep they're being devoured every week two times a week inside the place that's supposed to build them up that's supposed to encourage them and we do it and it's been done in the name of God to devour them but for some reason they don't get built back up and there wouldn't really be a problem y'all it wouldn't really be a problem if these people could see that they're being devoured but about time they've, they've been devoured and consumed when they finally wake up again they blame church and when when, they, when they're confronted with it they get gaslighted and say it's their fault now it wasn't their fault when you were taking their money but it's their fault that they're not getting what you promised from them giving their money because they didn't give enough money or they didn't have enough faith when they gave the money you see that the, the goalposts continue to move and every time the goalpost moves you're being devoured you're being taken advantage of and the leadership continues to get away with it year after year, year after year, year after year. And somebody asked me, what should we do? And I said, well, think, if you really just think about it, it's not that hard. If people stop supporting them, they'll go away because again, they have to have the followers. They have to have the sheep. They have to have the meat that's there. A lot of them have gotten older. They're not going to go out and hunt anymore. They just count on you bringing them in ones just like you that they can devour on that they can take advantage of you know and I hate to say this uh, ladies and gentlemen it is happening even more now than before because we have social media and internet where now this leader can do this and you don't even have to go to church you can sit at your home, you can sit at your desk, you can sit in your car and listen and open up your wallet, open up your heart, open up your mind and let this person begin to gnaw on you little by little, eating you from the inside out until you're empty. Church hurt is real. And a lot of times when you want to recognize church hurt, when they try to gaslight you, you say, you punch me in the face and they'll say, well, don't interpret it as that. Interpret it as a love touch. And I use that extreme to show you the difference. You know, that when you walk out the meeting, you didn't, you didn't really gain anything. I've seen that. All you've gained is the fact that it's your fault for being in the situation that you're in. And the church hasn't changed. Now watch this. The church hasn't changed. You have. When you hear that, you need to run. You need to run because what they're saying is we're not going to change what we're doing. You've changed your response to what we're doing. And whatever you feel, oh well, you need to come back and get in line. You're being devoured. You're being taken advantage of. And it's the leadership's fault. It is amazing to me 
how much that scripture about being the prophet of God and doing no harm, not saying nothing about them, is uh, a use to abuse. The word of God is not meant to be used to take advantage of people. And that scripture is so taken out of context so much. You're not David. You're not King Saul. You're not in that situation. And I doubt that you're trying that you're in a position to try to kill somebody. That means you over-spiritualized a, a descriptive text and made it a prescription. So what do you do with the scriptures say when we need to confront evil, confront wrong? Just because they say they are a man or woman of God, you're not supposed to say anything. And they scare you as if something's going to happen to you because you speak up for yourself. Because you confront them for what you believe you're being devoured on. You're being punched in the face. Not literally, but, but you know, emotionally. You, you're being damaged. You're being hurt. You're being maligned. You thought you was in the inner circle, and then when you kind of be a little different than from the inner circle, the clones of the inner circle, now you're ostracized and set aside and talked about. Whole meetings are held about, or held about you, so that they can either get you back in line, or get rid of you. These are the things that happen with church hurt. You're being devoured. I have a guest that's going to come on the next session, uh, session, session three, uh, part three, and she's going to tell her story. And it's amazing to me, her story, because it's typical. It's typical. And I'm going to tell you, you getting taken advantage of in church has nothing to do with your education, has nothing to do with your social status, economic status. It has to do with the fact that that this thing is so alluring, so tricky, and they do it in many different ways. These are professional con men and women, and they know how to talk in a way into your emotions, into your head, and to get you to do whatever they want. And they use the music, the hypnotic music. They use the testing of uh, telling you to do things that are simply ridiculous to see if you're going to do it. We're saying God's not always logical, but they're not God. See, they're not God. And they are not the Old Testament prophets. But again, how many of you have went to conferences, which is a whole game within itself? They're hurting you in, taking your money. The people who are working there are volunteers, so all the money is theirs. And you leave with a CD, you leave with an autograph, you leave with a picture, you leave with some psychological enhancement. But you're still spiritually dead. But you're but it's like an adrenaline junkie, like a person on drugs. You want to feel that high again. So you double down and go back next year. And the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that. And you have nothing to show for it. All of these so-called pastoral organizations, oh my God. Pastors trying to figure out where they can get in to fit in. Even them a joke because if you want to make it to the highest tier level, you're going to have to pay for that.
So if the leader has to pay to get into the inner circle, guess what? He has to pass that cost on to what? His parishioners. What does that have to do with salvation? What does that have to do with a soul that needs to be saved from their sin? What does it have to do with building up the body of Christ so that that person can stand? Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, where it talks about the, these offices, these gifts is given to the church with this one function of building up the body, strengthening the body on the, on the, on the foundation of the gospels with Jesus being the chief cornerstone. What is what what does all of this show pomp and circumstance have to do with the sin sick soul that needs a savior? And some of them are doing it in error, but most of them are doing it because they believe that they're the next one. They want to be on television. They want to be they want to, they want to test their power. They want to show you they have authority. And if they can hook up with the right person, the right organization that already has it, they can learn from it and then they can become the next one. They can become the next chosen son. They set up these ministries to be dynasties for their family. Just because you've been called doesn't mean your children been called. Doesn't mean your grandson been called. I'm not saying they're not, but it seems like it's never thought about it. You never really see a successful, what we call, quote-unquote, materially successful ministry, pass that on to somebody who's not family. They got to keep the money in the family. They work so hard to build it up, and they got to keep the money in the family. And you guys know this is happening, yet, let, yet still, you're still going. And when you get church hurt, sometimes it's your fault. Because something inside you told you, this is, this is not what it seems to be. But it feels so good to be here swaying back and forth, high-fiving each other, drinking lattes in, in, in the vestibule, and going to the functions, the candy cake ministry, and, and, the, and, and the singing this, and the uh, fishing ministry, and all these different so-called ministries. There's nothing but social constructs for people to get together and have fun. And you like, oh, I love it. But something inside of you saying, that word is being spoken. The scripture's not being explained. They read the scripture and they go off on some kind of social, economic, materialistic, humanistic tangent. And everybody's clapping and that weird ambient music is playing in the background, hypnotizing you. I mean, I've sat in the back of a church and watched it happen. I've sat back in a church and watched the progression into the hypnotic uh, uh, state. Where basically, you know how the snake charmer has, you know, he's blowing the thing. And then that snake comes out and starts swaying back and forth. I've seen that in church. I've seen it purposely being done to get you in a hypnotic state. And they'll say, there it is, there it is, there it is. That's the Holy Spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's Kundalini. That's not the Holy Spirit. They work you up in a frenzy and the hypnotic spirit is going on. And it's going and it's going. And, every, and it's like everybody, start, it's, like a, it's like the wave at a, a sporting event. They start doing that kind of stuff. And then you see the manifestations of this evil. People start barking like dogs, making all kind of noises. You can't tell if it's, it's holy tongues or heathen tongues, all kind of things going on. You know, people start shouting 
And I'm not talking shouting for Jesus to start shouting irrationally. But they're still swaying. They're still swaying. They're still swaying. And when they get them going real good, you've been in the service, you're going real good. Now it's time to sway right on into the your pockets. And they have ringers in the audience. Y'all didn't know that? They have ringers in the audience. And what I mean by a ringer is they have ringers throughout the throughout their audience that cheers them on for every word they say for every accented word they say like a comedian they they cheer them on hallelujah go pastor go go past you right pastor and you know they they're they're strategically positioned so they get their part of the getting you going and because you want to feel left out you don't want to sit there where everybody's standing up swaying back and forth so you just get up and start doing it yourself and then it comes to the money section the ringers are now meant to scream out and holler out when he calls for the $50 line, the $100 line, the $500 line. They're meant to, to wave their check in the, up in the air. And you see a couple of people doing that. You don't want to be left out. You want to join the, you want to join the group. You don't want to be left out. You want your blessing. So here you go. Not knowing that they're ringers, they're planted. Their job is to prime the pump. Their job is to get you going. Their job is to get you so disconnected from your good mind and say that it's spiritual. Nowhere in the Bible where it tells you to just empty out your mind. The Bible says you're supposed to have a sound mind. So I'm supposed to have a sound mind. And being under self-control, that requires me never to leave my mind and turn over to this person that's sitting up there telling me that. It is so much foolishness going on. And again, if I told you you I had a blessing with your name on it and I said some hibbity-dibbity stuff and that you're going to get a car, you're going to get a house, you're going to have a better job, you're going to have a better family, you would share this with everybody because I'm telling you the truth and the truth hurts. You don't want to because guess what? Men prefer darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil because they don't want, you don't want to admit that you've been deceived. You don't want to admit that you've been fooled. Because people look up to you as if you can't be fooled. And you helping lead these people right into the frying, into the fryer, into the lion's den, because they're looking up at you and they're figuring if you doing it. And you got a couple of coins, you might have a good house, you may have what they perceive as a good marriage. They don't know that you're so far from God, it's not even funny. And that you're following a false teacher, you're following a false prophet. You're in a church that's about materialistic things. That's all they talk about is getting a blessing and having a financial thing. And there's nothing wrong with with having finances but when that's the emphasis there's something wrong and it's very subtle it's very subtle because if they were actually coming out telling you they're gonna rob you you'd run but that that's not how it's done that's not how grifters do that's not how con people do they put the you know you ever been to the church where you, they got the big parking lot and you notice all the real nice cars are parked in the front for a good picture for those who come in. And then you, you see a parking space and somebody comes and tells you, you can't park there. You need to go park in the back with that hoop. What are they telling you? What are they telling you? They're convincing you to buy pews and put your family name on it. They're playing into your ego. What, what does that have to do with God? What does it do with the homeless? What does it have to do with serving somebody? It has nothing to do with them. But that's what they do. That's how they get you. 
And yes, it's the leader's fault, but it, you know what? Saints of God, you got to take some blame for that too. You want an idol. You want to look up to someone instead of following Jesus. You want to you want to be able to blame if when it go wrong on the on the leader. And yes, that leader who's leading you astray is going to take responsibility, but you don't get to do that just like Adam didn't get to do it. If that's the case, Eve would have got cursed and Adam wouldn't have got cursed, but God said no. It was your responsibility. So they're going to take the responsibility, but you're going to take the responsibility of being deceived. There is no way that a saint of God should be deceived unless they want to. Unless they're searching in the wrong direction for the wrong thing at the wrong time from someone who they believe they can give it to them, looking at they, what they have materially. You can't really tell what a person's like spiritually until you see them deal with people that's not like them. All you're doing is glad hand and patting each other on the back and saying how great you are. And all body said how great they are. Whole room, whole room full of leaders trying to figure out what's the next leader doing to get more money in. How many you running, Doc? How many you have now, Doc? How much money you take in on collection, Doc? These are things that I know. Right? These are Y'all don't know what goes on behind them doors. And I'm telling you, a lot of times it ain't the thing you think your bishop and them back there talking about. The things of God, man, they talking about the things of this world. From baseball to football to girls to money. One, you know, the, let's put this way. Them closed doors ain't got nothing on them. Lock, I mean, a locker room ain't got nothing on them closed doors. Only time they turn it down if it's, if it's unless there's a woman back there. There may be an apostle or a bishop or a pastor. That's when you see them tone it down. But when it's all males, I don't know what it's like when it's all females. Because if I knew that, I'd mean I was a male in the room. But when it's all males, I've seen all kind of stuff. When they leaning over, whispering to each other, and y'all watching them whisper to each other, they ain't saying nothing holy. Check out when they saying it. When, how, when they doing it. Is they, are they doing it when the praise team full of women sitting in front of them gyrating and clapping and singing? This goes on. And it doesn't make a difference what size the church is. Some churches have better disguised it than others. Some, some have mastered the deception. With the ringers and the cheerleaders and all of that, you can't detect it because they've mastered it. But it's up to you to have some discernment. It's up to you to know the difference between a descriptive, I'm going to say that, say that with me, descriptive passage and a passage that says, you do this. A descriptive passage would be like Moses going down, down to the Red Sea and the Jordan and he's parting it. And then used to say, okay, since Moses did that, we know Moses is a man of God, we supposed, we supposed to be able to do that too. I give anybody a thousand dollars if they if they can do that. Put them to the test. Don't make it the easy stuff. Let them prove that they because they'll tell you, oh well, I want to sign to do that. No, you want to sign to do none of the stuff you're doing. That's a descriptive passage. That's not a pre it's not prescribed that you do these things. It's not saying that you need to do these things. He's telling a story of what happened. You not David, you not Elijah, you not none of them people. You are you. And in the body of Christ, you need to be you. You don't need to keep reaching back to the Old, the Old Testament. 
It even says in the Bible, I can't, I can't forget right now, that that they would have longed to see this day when the Jesus was here. They, they wanted to see that day. And you still trying to go back there before Jesus came. Practicing them dead works. Practicing them, half practicing those Jewish holidays in their feasts. You don't even do them right. You paint red paint over your door thinking that's blood. You can't substitute God Jesus' blood for no red paint or anything that you want to substitute it for. See, this is what I'm saying. Your church is telling you to do that. First fruits and all that stuff. Even if it did work. See, this is the thing. You think because it's work, it's of God. That's called, don't you know there's things in the Bible called false signs and wonders? Remember when Paul cast out that uh, cast out that divination spirit from that lady that was following him, and it says she worked for the people and she was a diviner, and obviously she worked real good because she made the money because the stuff came true. Just because it comes true, don't mean it from God. The devil will give you all of that because he'll let you focus on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, and you'll be so far sucked into it. And the deception is you'll believe it's God. Where's the suffering for his sake that you're supposed to be doing? Where's the giving your enemy a cup of water? Where, where, where is it that you're looking out truly for the poor? Where is that you that that you're lovingly sacrificing what you want for somebody what somebody else needs? The Bible warns, don't think more of yourself than you should. Consider others more significant than yourself. Where is that part of it? But all this meism, myism, and materialism, you'll never get to that. You eating a whole loaf and you giving away crumbs. And all this is called church hurt and that helps the person get devoured and consume to it now when they finally wake up and I believe if they truly are saved God's gonna let God's gonna wake them up the danger is they're gonna just buy out the church altogether and then they're gonna violate the, the assembling of the saints the assembling of the fellowship they're gonna they're gonna they're going to opt out and blame church and it's not church it's the leadership it's the system that's there in that church that that leader pushes on everybody else that puts them from the frying pan into the fryer and takes advantages of them and manipulates them that's what this is we are running out of time and we need to get back to the gospel the gospel is offensive enough you don't have to play games with people because the gospel says you have to come to the cross with your sin and you have to deal with it there you can't deal with it anywhere else but guess what? The beauty of the cross is he dealt with it for you. He was the atonement for you. He sacrificed his life for you. And now with that, believing in that and trusting in that, you can have a better life in this sense. Now you have a walk with God that you didn't have before. And you don't know what God going to do for you. Because you, what you say, God, it's your choice to do. I may want something, but you in control and you're going to do what you want to do. You're going to give me what you want me to have, but I'm going to follow your way and your will. I'm going to do the stuff like you did. I'm going to walk amongst the poor. I'm going to help the poor out. I'm going to help those who are less fortunate. I am going to give of myself. I'm going to show the love of Christ that was shed abroad in my heart that I learned through what you did at Calvary. And that's how I'm going to live my life. I'm not worried about the material things.
I mean, which one of the apostles died with her? In that day, would be you consider rich? I'm waiting. If you believe that they were the men of God, which one died what you would call riches with a carriage, carried his body, you know, set in state? Historians say Isaiah was sawed in two with a wooden saw. Jeremiah was put in the pit. Joseph, his own brothers tried to kill him. David died. David died a broken man because of his decision to sin. The sword never left his house. His own son tried to overthrow him and kill him. John the Baptist was beheaded. Peter was supposedly hung upside down. James was killed, killed also, ran into with a sword. One was supposed to be boiled in oil. Where do you get this? Where, how, how can they actually claim they, they are men and women of God when there's no persecution? Persecution is not people talking about you. See, that's where we get confused. We get we 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 made persecution such a low thing, like oh, somebody talking about us. But you don't want people talking about you, so you'll you'll protect that person. You'll you'll set that person aside. But somebody tr truly teaching the word of God, oh, they're not affluent enough. They're not influential enough. The true men and women of God don't care nothing about that. All we're gonna do is keep saying what the word of God says by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will lead us to the people that need to hear it that won't be brought out of this foolishness. Where you can really see the work that's being done right in your area. And you don't need to travel all over the, all over the town and you don't need to travel all over, all over the world. You need to work with what's in front of you. And that's the problem. The leaders want to grow in numbers but rarely talk about growing who's in front of them. They always talk about we. Uh, you want to save the world. What about working just in the community you're in first and let God decide if he wants to take you out to the world? What about that? Working with the four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve people you have, twenty people you have, a hundred people you have. And just grow them. Maturity. But it's easier to keep them in their pockets, keep in their pockets, keep in their head, and to keep them childish. Not childlike, childish. And you're the key to the chocolate factory. You're the key to the treasure chest. You're the key to Never Never Land because that's what you preach. And they want to hear it because it tickles their ears, it makes them feel good. But you don't tell them about the pending doom of going to hell. Because they believe they saved because you told them that. They believe they saved because they said a sinner's prayer. They believe they saved because they have bought it to the system. And that's idolatry. I have one question before we stop today. Ask yourself this question. Have you ever been sick and tired of not the fruit of your sin, but the sin that dwells deeply within you. That that sin that dwells in you keeps you from having 
the communion relationship with God. And he says, I have the cure, which is my son. But you got to take the bitter pill and say, not that you want me, but you understand you need me. Because your destination without me is hell. Have you fallen on your face before God and just cried out that I can't go no further until you save me? Or did you just do, come up with a few tears in your eyes and been led in some kind of sentence prayer? And no, no, that ain't going to do it. You need to be a wretch undone. You need to have, oh, what a wretched man that I am, who can save me moment. Because until you have that moment in some form or fashion, you're not saved. Somebody convinced you that you're safe, and you ain't safe at all. You are skating on thin ice with a match underneath. And they've tricked you by your own desires to keep on skating. And that's how church hurt gets, 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 gets grows. It grows out of that, that false teaching. It grows out of that false religion. It grows out of the, the fake relationships. It grows out of those type of things. That's how church hurt grows. So we got a many saints out here. They trusted God for their salvation. They had that moment, but they ended up somehow falling back into a place where they wanted their material needs met. And they wanted abundant, rich life. And if you, live, if you live of age, of any age, ask yourself the question. Everybody can't be rich, right? Everybody can't be a chief. There got to be some Indian. Where everybody in the, in the congregation, that person knows that just like these motivational speakers, these life coaches, They'll take your money knowing that you're not going to do what they tell you to do 100% to get where you need to go. And even if you did, if that's not your lot for life, the God, God has called out for you, you can, you can take all the classes, pay all the money, and still not get there. They won't tell you that. But they want your money. And you're $10,000 into a guru session, and you have nothing to show with it. But he got your money. He got $10,000. He's good at what he do. She's good at what she does. And you have nothing to show for it. But you want to blame church. You want to blame God. And you shouldn't have to. Blame the individual. And take some responsibility for yourself. Are you willing to get into the car? Are you willing today to be committed, accountable, and responsible for your next move as far as your relationship with God? He's, he's been very, very patient with you. His forebear, he's long-suffered, and Romans 2, 1 through 4. Read it. The part I want you to pay attention to. Are you living hypocritically or practicing the things and judging other people? But more importantly, are you taking advantage of God's forbearance towards you in this matter or any other matter? Not knowing that the goodness, now pay attention, his goodness is in his forbearance and his love of what he gave us at the cross should lead you to repentance, metanoia, a changed mind. That means you're going in a completely opposite direction that leads you straight to Christ and leads you straight to God. It's your choice. You want to keep following these leaders? Follow them. But you're not going to escape with, I believe that they was a man or woman of God. That's not going to work. 
And those leaders who you who know, and I know 99% of them know, you know God has been very patient with you and you think you're getting away with it. And you're not going to get away with it. You're not going to get away with treating God's people this way. Churches are closing down. Churches that's been in, in think about this. Just study, go to the pew, the pew uh, uh, study people. Churches are closing down faster than you think. And there's churches that's been around for years, 50, 60, 70 years. They close, God has shut them down. Remember, the bottom line, it's God's church, it's not yours. And if God wants to shut you down and make a spectacle of you, he will. He will. Who says that walking truth, the church that I'm the steward over, has to be around tomorrow? It's up to God. And it doesn't equate longevity into doing something wrong. God may say, if the message is over, like John the Baptist's ministry, when he did what he did with Jesus, his, message, his, his ministry was over. <laughs> and he was wondering, I did what you said, God, but I didn't see me getting beheaded. Well, I didn't know I had to decrease like this. Well, see, God is in control. We're not. And if you really want to be used by God, you have to accept the conditions to which God puts you in to be used. Joining church is not the issue. Becoming the church is. All right, this is part two of Church Hurt. I hope that you got something out. Please share this with friends and family members. And again, I know some of it's going to be tough to listen to, but it's okay. I got big shoulders. Don't worry about me. This is what God has given me to do right now. And you know, please check out Walk of Truth Radio Network on YouTube, also on Facebook, and walk underscore, walk in underscore truth uh, on uh, Instagram. And then also Dr. James Sutton on Twitter. Dr. James Sutton is second on Twitter. So we can be found almost anywhere in our podcast, Walk of Truth Radio Network. You can put it in your search engine. And everything we do will come up. All our podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're on uh, uh, Google Podcasts. I mean, we're on like 18, 19 podcast platforms. So Walk of Truth Radio Network with Dr. James Sutton. You can pull it up and listen at your leisure. But please, if your church hurt, please feel free. I gave you some numbers last time, but let me, I got it right this time. Please feel free to contact me. If you're in the United States, you can text me directly, 314-629-0024. You can call, leave a message, and we can talk. If you want to be on the show as a guest, we can talk. Like like I told you, we have a guest next week to tell her story. Um, or you can contact me uh, by email at witmin at yahoo.com. W-I-T-M as in Mary, I-N at yahoo.com. Or S U T T O N 968 at gmail.com. The 314 You can contact me on WhatsApp if you listen to this in another country. So I hope that uh, this has been helpful for you. I know someone's saying some things, again, that may hurt you, may alarm you. But I hope that with the truth being told and discussed openly, we can get some 
understanding and move forward in faith and get those who have left the church back in because let me tell you something, we need your gift. We need your gift. I am so sorry that happened to you. Lay it at that leader's feet, expose that leader, but get back into a body because the body of Christ needs you. This is Pastor Jay. I always want you to be encouraged, blessed, and in peace. And remember, like, subscribe, and share. And I'll see you on the other side. Peace. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Church Hurt is real. We would like to hear your story to help others who have been abused in church. Only when we speak up, can we begin to heal from the pain. Please send your story confidentially to the email witminyahoo.com.